Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Several hundred years ago, the French philosopher Pascal put forth his famed wager regarding the Christian faith. You see, it was an imaginary conversation between a Christian and a non-believer. Here's how it went. Suppose that atheism is right and Christianity is wrong. Well, in the end, I have lost nothing by believing in Jesus since my faith gives me hope and comfort in this life. And of course, the atheist has gained nothing either because he believes that death ends all. But suppose that Christianity is right and atheism is wrong. Who wins and who loses? The Christian wins everything, right? Because he goes to heaven. The atheist loses everything because he goes to hell. I told you last week I was going to preach on a subject I've never preached on before, and that subject is hell. But let me if you will, caution you to think that I've avoided it because I've not. If you've actually heard messages I've preached, almost every one of them, hell has been peppered throughout. It's just something I've never preached it at its primary subject, and today I'm going to, in a message I've entitled, Chris Me. Because that's really what Christmas is all about, believe it or not. See, the Bible says what? For unto us born this day in the city of David is a a Savior. And I'm not asking you to shout out what you think, but why would you and I need a Savior? Save us from what? A missed mortgage payment? A fight between our spouse or a wayward child? Because isn't that really what we've made Christianity? See, I have to wonder that when we stand up here and we say, how many here need prayer? The hands that come up are all about fix my situation, God. Here's what I'm going through. I need your help. Fix me. I wonder how many of us say, yeah, pastor, I need prayer. I need God to pour more gas on this fire. I want him to fill me up. But you're going through all this difficulty. You forget that. The cross is bigger. I'm telling you, keep praying for me. Because, Pastor, I'm doing some Satan damage in this world. I just want more of that, more of that. See, I wonder how many of us do that, but we don't. See, I've heard it before. I know people used to go to church, and they literally told me on the street, Man, I haven't seen you anymore. Yeah, I don't do that God thing anymore. Well, why would you say that? Because I prayed and he didn't answer. See, it was really about me. I didn't get what I want. And what I wanted to depict and define what a Savior is. It doesn't work that way, folks. You know why we need a Savior? We need a Savior from me. You need a Savior from you. We need a Savior from ourselves. But therein lies the problem. 
And I already know as I'm preaching this message, some of you have already checked out because you've decided there is no hell. You've even made church what you think it should be because it's still about you. But we need to talk about hell. And I want to show you something. You have your Bibles. I'd like you to go to Matthew 7. As you do, I just find it interesting that USA Today, you've probably heard of that. USA Today did a study and they asked the question, what do people really think? Is there a hell? USA Today posing the question, canvassing this country, is there a hell? What I'm about to tell you might shock you. 35% of Baptists, 54% of Presbyterians, 58% of Methodists, 60% of Episcopalians in this country today do not believe in hell. But now listen to this. More concerning for me, 71% right now of people studying to be a pastor in our nation's eight leading seminaries do not believe in a literal hell. Nor do they believe in heaven as a literal place, for that matter. Which, by the way, if there is no hell, then there can't be a heaven. And maybe that's what explains our world right now. Because this would be it. See, Jesus said, the mouth speaks within the heart. The life lives what we believe to be true. We can make all the excuses we want. We're good at that. We know how to shift the blame. We know how to put things around that we want to hear. But that still comes back to the fact it's really all still about me. What I need, what I want, what I'm looking for. Which means you haven't found him yet. I want to show you what Jesus says. And for me, you need to know the word is still my authority and I have to keep coming back to it. Because if I don't have the word, I don't know what else to follow. Because there's really nothing to follow. And so I want to show you what the Bible says. In Matthew 7, I'm reading from the New Living Translation because there's some verbiage that I think is worded so accurately in how it was truly written. And I want to remind you again, Jesus is the one speaking here. Here's what he says, beginning in verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Let me say it again. You and I can enter God's kingdom, live with him forever, only through the narrow gate. And Jesus is that gate. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one will come to my Father except by me. Now hold on to that because I know some of you are probably thinking, yeah, but... You know, I, I don't know if that's, I think there's many ways to God. Well, then, then you just made Jesus a liar. 
Well, what about people who serve other religions? They serve other religions because they want to serve other religions. But they're a good person. Good people don't go to heaven. God people do. Some of you go, well, I disagree with you. That means you don't believe the word of God is your authority. That's all you're telling me. Well, I'll find another place to go. I'm sure you will, because it's still all about you. See how it works? That's the world we live in. We bring people close, we like, we push away something that doesn't sort of register with us. We found our convenient little path and we put everything around it that makes us comfortable, that pleasant to our ears. We've continually rewritten Christianity and made it what we want it to be. But there's something wrong with that. When Jesus speaking, Christmas, why he came, you can enter my kingdom, God's kingdom, only through the narrow gate. Watch what it says. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many. Notice that. You might want to circle that if you have a paper copy. For the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Notice what Jesus said. The way is narrow and the road is difficult. Jesus said, it's going to sort of be a little difficult time, some moments here in this side of heaven. It's not going to go as planned. Check's not always going to be in the mail. You're not going to find the right person. It's not always going to work out the way you'd hoped. But lo, I'm with you always. And greater is me that is in you than anything you'll ever face in this world. That's why I said there's more we got to stop this walking around like we've got it so bad when we have it so good because if you've got God, it ain't going to get any better. You have everything you need. Amen to that? I want to pause here for a moment because when I was a kid growing up, you've probably heard of a band. Please don't respond to this because I want to preface this. This, It it breaks my heart. There's a band out we grew up called ACDC. They have a song out and I just wonder how many bars were playing it last night and people are out there going... But have you ever stopped to hear the lyrics? I don't know how anybody could sing this. Living easy, loving free, season ticket on a one-way ride. Ask nothing, leave me be, taking everything in my stride. Don't need no reason, don't need no rhyme, ain't nothing that I'd rather do. Going down, party time, my friends are gonna be there too. I'm on the highway to hell. No stop signs, speed limit, nobody's gonna slow me down. Like a wheel, gonna spin it. Nobody's gonna mess me around. Hey Satan, paying my dues, playing in a rocking band, Hey, mama, look at me. I'm on the way to the promised land. I'm on the highway to hell. I'm on the highway to hell. I was out the other night late with a friend of mine who's here right now. We were out talking and we're sitting in a restaurant and this young girl who was pretty plastered came up to our table 
And my heart just broke. Just broke. It's somebody's little girl. It's a creation of Almighty God. And I wonder if she woke up the next morning, had no idea maybe even what happened to her with a couple of the guys that were all over. See, I want to share with something that you need to know, and it's just a reality, and whether you agree with me or not. The fact of the matter is, We may want to dismiss this or even think that we can just eradicate it. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about hell. Just just tell us about heaven and all the good stuff. I can't do that, people. Because if there's no hell, there's no heaven. And the whole point of Christmas was hell. You and I are on a highway to hell. Your best days, you and I are on a highway to hell. The moment we birthed, and caught our first breath, we're on a highway to hell. And there's nothing we can do about it. Nothing. But God, who so loved the world, gave his one and only son that if you and I would believe in him, do you know the first thing he said? You would not perish. We need a savior from ourselves. I need it, you need it. You don't have to agree with me. That's a choice you make. But we're on a highway to hell, people. And I want you to notice the very next verse that he says right after the gateway to life is narrow and the road is difficult, only few ever find it. Look at the very next verse. Beware of false prophets. Do you know what he's talking about? Beware of those people who tell you there's no hell. Beware of those pastors, those preachers, those teachers who all they want to do is tell you how good you are. And that God's this gracious God and that there is no hell. And if he's such a good God, he would send no one to hell. We're going to talk about that in a moment because I'm going to help you with your theology. If you'll choose to listen. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. Watch what he says. That is by the way they act. We all know. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from your thistles? No. We all know that. We don't go out to our berry bush looking for bananas. And yet, why is it that we justify that in our own lives? Verse 17, a good tree produces good fruit. The word good there is two different goods. It's not the same one. It means not the same. In the Greek, you've got an agathos tree bears kalos fruit. The word agathos means this. If you're going to be benevolent, if you're going to be successful for Christ, if you're going to make a difference for Jesus, that's the first good. The second one says, then you have to be in direct harmony with me. If you want to see that fruit on the branches the way I desire then you have to let your roots go down in me so my nourishment comes up 
A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree, watch this. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is what? Chopped down and thrown into the what? Fire. Burn it. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Look at verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, there is a day, isn't there? Jesus said it. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. I never knew you. It's not about what you do. You can't do anything apart from me. That's the fruit of who I am when you let your roots go down. But I'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Jesus said it's a message to obey. If you love me, you'll do all that I asked. And so I want to give you three things about hell. Three things that you and I need to know about hell. And then I'm going to add a fourth. But here's the first Hell is a literal place, people. Say it with me. It's a literal place. I read about a preacher who had just finished preaching a very strong biblical message on hell. Afterwards, one of his church members came up to him and literally said to him, watch what he says. Don't you know, pastor, that the more up-to-date preachers have taken hell out of the Bible? I love what his preacher said in response. They may have done that. They may have taken it out of the Bible, but my trouble is, is they didn't eradicate it. In short, and I'll say it again, we can stop talking about it. We can play pretend. We can dismiss it. Doesn't change the reality of it. Doesn't fix the truth of it. It's a literal place. Did you know 70 times in the Gospels alone, the four Gospels, 70 times Jesus warned us about a literal place called hell. Matthew 25, Matthew 16, Mark 9, Luke 16, I could go on and on. But the fact is, you ready for this? Jesus talked more about hell than he ever did about heaven. And he painted hell more vividly than he ever did of heaven. Did you know that God's wrath is mentioned more than 150 times and his mercy only 32 times? See, I get it. I want to declare God's goodness, amen? And we should. The world needs to know he's a good, good God. But just as true, it would be a grave mistake if we don't talk about his justice. It'd be just as tragic. See, I want you to listen to this. We should never think, even for a moment, that God would turn a blind eye to anybody's sin. Let me say it again. We should never think, even for a moment, that God turns a blind eye to any sin. You might think that time heals all things, but God does not have amnesia. You may want to erase it, but it's through confession 
brokenness, laying it before God, that he begins to make all things new. The Bible is emphatic in Romans 2. He will, look what it says, he will judge everyone according to what they have done. In fact, look how the Bible says, look what it ends with. Anyone not found, anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now I'm gonna side note this and I want you to find a place to write this down because I, I wanna talk real quickly about those who's, okay? Those ones, those any ones that are not found, who are they? Well, the Bible makes it clear. Here's the first one, the rejectors. The Bible says they won't be found in the book of life. They're gonna be cast in the fire hell. The rejectors. The Bible says in Romans 2, he will pour out his anger. Notice this. He will pour out his anger. God will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth, and instead live lives of wickedness. Can I tell you what wickedness is? Wickedness is not murder. Wickedness is thinking that you can do it on your own. Even if you did everything right, Paul says what? But without his love, without that love, nothing. It's all about Jesus. Amen? Amen. The rejectors. Here's number two. The reprobate. Revelations 28 says this. The, no, watch this. The fearful. The fearful. The fearful. I just want to stop there. I would never make light of what we've gone through in almost come March, two years. But I told you, it didn't change us, it exposed us. What are we afraid of? I might get it and die. Hallelujah. It's sort of the whole point of the story, isn't it? Please hear this. I'm not making light of it. I'm not making any of that. I think we needed to learn something as a nation. That's why I don't go to a lot of large events. I've been in the restrooms when the men run in and run back out and never wash their hands and then put their arm around their spouse and go, it's so good to see you. I'm like, yeah. You know what I mean? We needed some stuff to slow down. True? You need to be wise. You need to think those things through. But what are we afraid of? When my Bible says his love wipes out all fear, all fear, I have nothing to fear. What are we afraid of? The Bible just said the fearful. The fearful. The unbelieving. The abominable. The murderer. The fornicator. The sorcerer. The idolater. All liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire. You might want to write this down. You can read these on your own. 1 Corinthians 6. Paul talks about these are the ones who will not see the kingdom of God. You can read the same list in Ephesians 5 or Galatians 5. All I'm trying to get at, folks, is we need to start taking sin serious and understand the gravity. Because I don't think we understand Christmas. And maybe why people walk around so doom and gloom, they just don't get it. Unto us born this day, it's personal. 
is a savior, a savior from me. That I could experience all that God had purposed and planned. Because I don't know what it is. But there's a third group, and you don't want to miss this. The rejecter, the reprobate. But I'm also telling you, the Bible says the religious. I'm talking about the good church member. I'm talking about those who have a baptismal certificate. Those who sing in the choir. Those who greet at the door. They're not going to be in heaven. The Bible says, look what it says. Many will say to me on that day, many, many. Did we not do all this good stuff? He said, depart from me, I never knew you. You really thought you were going to earn something here? You don't have to earn anything with me. You can't earn anything with me. You're on a highway to hell. Mankind's doomed. But God in his love gave us an off-ramp called Jesus. But I have to tell you about this off-ramp. And maybe the artists that wrote these things are actually more accurate than we realize. The fact that there's a highway to hell and only a stairway to heaven says a lot about the anticipated traffic numbers, doesn't it? It's time for us to truly grasp the gravity of sin. And what it does, it's more than a slap to God's face. It's an act of rebellion. It's an act of betrayal. It's literally telling God, you shouldn't be on the throne. I should. See, I want to pause here for a moment because I want you to catch this. Hell is a literal place. See, how many here would say people can be selfish? Come on. Come on. Put your hand up. Okay. All right. If someone's hand is up, just look at them and put, I'll put it up for you. Okay. All right. <laughs> Because even that act, I'm not going to put up. It's just, well, I'm not doing it. You know what I mean? I mean, it just really is. It's, it's, I, know how, I don't go see your mind. It's how it is. Well, I ain't going to do that. It's just, it's crazy how we are, isn't it? How many, how many have, have, have seen people be selfish and it affected you? A couple of you, okay. I don't get it. See, I can't speak for you, but I'm here to tell you, if there's no hell, there's really no heaven, and if there's really no God, I, I, this, is, this is probably the most foolish thing that we're doing is gathering in this room. See, I don't understand when someone cuts you off in traffic, that bothers you. Why would they bother you? You ought to be going, oh yeah, man, live it up! Because that's what we're doing, isn't it? If there's no Yahweh, there can only be my way, your way. Why would we be frustrated that someone else is messing with our plans? Why don't we just live for ourselves? That's what I'm going to do. I got 78 years. There's no heaven. There's no hell. You just get stuck in a box underneath the ground. I'm going to have some fun. I want to get there as quick as I can. It's a quick trip. See, I don't get it. Why are people so frustrated? If there's no heaven and no hell and we're not going to be passionate about following Jesus, what's the problem then? Because there is a heaven, there is a hell. And the Bible makes it clear, whether you want to admit it or not, it's already been put inside of you. You can read that in Romans 1. It's a literal place, folks. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says these words, For we must all, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And everyone then may receive what is due them for the things done while in the body on earth, whether good or bad.
That's in the Bible, people. Hell is a literal place. Here's number two. Hell is a large place. It's a large place. Say that with me. It's a large place. This one just tragic for me. We just read what Jesus said. The highway to hell is broad. Its gates wide for the many, for the many who choose that way. And yet you go to most funerals in America and we preach everyone into heaven. Everyone's going there, but yet Jesus said a completely different. Completely different. I mean, I get it. Even the late C.S. Lewis once said this. It is proper. I love these words. It is proper to wish that all would be saved. Boy, that's what I want. That's what I want. He goes on to say, I'd pay any price to be able to say that truthfully, but I cannot. The word many, remember I told you to circle it? The word many is where we get the word multitude. The multitude. It literally means a great deal of or a great number of. Hell is a literal place, folks. Hell is a large place. But I don't want you to miss this because I told you I'm going to help you with some theology. God does not send anyone to hell. Your sin does. God sends nobody to hell. You yourself do. On that day, you'll stand and you get to say, you know, I just didn't think you were real. I just wanted to do it my way. That was your choice. He gave us an off-ramp called Jesus. That too is your choice. God has sent no one to hell. Can't imagine how his heart breaks, though. Of so many people that that's what they want. The universal religious thought in our world right now is that we develop a good record, we give it to God, and then he owes us. But the gospel is crystal clear. God developed the good record. He gave it to us, and we owe him. That's what the Bible says in Romans 1. For the gospel, for the gospel, the truth of God's word reveals how God puts people right with himself. God did the work. God put us right. That's why the scriptures say the righteous will live by faith. I'm putting my trust in the one that gave me an off-ramp that I did not deserve. Gave me a gift I can't earn. I want off on that one. I want off. It's a literal place. It's a large place. Here's number three. It's a lasting place. Say that with me. It's a lasting place. My friends, death and we will all die. Death marks the final separation between the saved and the lost. Once you're in heaven, you're always in heaven. Once you're in hell, you're always in hell. There are no second chances. That's the choice we get to make now. Jesus himself said, I will separate the sheep from the goats and I will turn to the goats and I will say, and here's what it says, Matthew 25, verse 46, and they shall go away into everlasting punishment. They will go away. In fact, there's a story in the Bible out of Luke 16. We're not gonna read it. You don't need to go there. You just wanna write that down. In Luke 16, verses 19 to 31, it's about a rich man and Lazarus. And they both die. In the story, we learn three things about this lasting place 
of what it means. And I want you to write these down. Here's the first one. It's a lasting place of everlasting suffering. I just got to tell you, hell, I don't get it. Why would anybody want to go there? And why do we want to put God in some roulette board and spin it and just kind of hope when the Bible says we can know, we can know. Why do we want to play church and to make it what we want it to be as if somehow we know when the word of God is the keys to life? It will not fail you. It will not. It cannot. Everything God wrote never returns void. It's a fact. But it's a lasting place of everlasting suffering. Revelations 14 says this, the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever and they will have no relief day or night. I don't get it. Here's number two. It's a lasting place of enduring sorrow. It's a lasting place of enduring sorrow. Try to imagine You'll never hear another child laugh. You'll never see another smile given. You'll never hear another song sung. Everybody in the depths of total despair, complete hopelessness. But it's the third in the story that comes out that just breaks my heart. See, I get torment and suffering, believe it or not, and I think we all do. It grabs our attention because our inquiring minds want to know, right? What is hell? It's a lake of fire, gnashing of teeth, and I'm not making light of it. Those are in the scriptures. But the fact is, you need to know this. Whatever you heard about heaven, no pain, no grief, no tears, no sorrow, you know, no sin. Hell's the opposite. It's the exact opposite forever and ever. But I told you it's this third one. You know, the lasting place of everlasting suffering, enduring sorrow. Here's the third in the story. It's a lasting place of eternal separation. See, I don't get that. Why would anybody want to be separated from God? Second Thessalonians, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Look at this. Away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. But you need to know this is why I do what I do. I know preaching a message like this, there could be a few people going, I'm going to another church. Of course you're going to. You have to. Because you took this book and you wrote it, rewrote it for you. I understand that. But I don't do this First and foremost, because of you, I do it because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords called me out to pastor, which means you need to know I never start with you. I start with the word of God. I have to preach the truth, whether you want to hear it or not. I have to preach it. There's a story about a chaplain on American warship. The soldiers had crowded around him one day and said, do you believe in hell? To which the chaplain said, I do not. One of the soldiers stood up and said, well then, would you please resign? For if there's no hell, we don't need you, do we? But if there is a hell, we don't wish to be led astray. There is a hell. 
It is a literal place. It is a large place. It is a lasting place. But I want to tell you one thing about hell I love. I love. You ready for it? It can be avoided. I love that about hell. That God so loved that he gave us Jesus. Christmas, it's what it's all about. Christmas was about this highway to hell. We're on a highway to hell. Why would we want to sing to that? We're on a highway to hell and God so loved and said, but you don't have to be. You don't have to be. Folks, that's the most beautiful thing. See, when you understand there's a hell, then you really get an unbelievable glimpse of God's amazing love for us. His unbelievable love for us. For unto you, me, born this day in the city of David as a Savior, Christ the Lord. Someone shout hallelujah. Come on. Folks, listen. He didn't eradicate hell on the cross. He gave us a way of escape. <laughs> he gave us a way of escape. So I'm going to invite Ryan to the stage. And I want to give you the greatest advice I could ever give you. You guys want it? Yes. Here it is. Greatest advice I could ever give you. Turn from your sin. Quit looking around and start looking up. Quit pointing the finger and blaming. Stop it. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. It's what matters what our sin did to him. We need to get the gravity of this. The Bible says, unless you repent, you will perish. That's in the Bible. The word repent literally means turn from. Folks, sin separates. God's grace unites. Oh, man. And let, and let me remind you, I've said it many times before. If you're new, you've never heard this, but God doesn't grade on a curve, people. He graded on the cross. He doesn't look around the room and say, well, you're a little better than that guy. Doesn't work that way. We got to turn from our sin. I've said this over and over. Man, as I'm pressing into a brand new year, every day I get up, I remember this. When I'm frustrated, when I'm frustrated, you ready for this? This is never the problem. This is. If you're burned out right now and sucking wind and tired, you know why it is? It's not this. It's not all the demands. I already know you're not spending much time here. If you're bitter right now, I know something very clear about you. You're not, you're not walking here. Because my Bible says the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. That's a promise of the Holy Spirit. I'll always be with you. I ain't going anywhere. Greater is he, me, that's in you, Keith. Anything you face in the world. And believe it or not, I mean, you know how I'm wired. And you'll laugh at this, but this was very real in my life. Several years ago, I told my wife, I said, from here on out, I will never, ever get pulled over for another ticket in my life, ever. Speed limit's 35, I set the cruise. 
Because I realize, what am I running to? What is so defining in this world that I got to get there before everybody else and everybody else is the problem they're in my way? Something's really wrong with that thinking. Jesus, Jesus, my daughter is dying. Come. And Jesus goes, okay. Oh, whoa, what was that? Someone just touched me. Oh, come on, Jesus. There are hundreds of people around here. Everybody's been touched. No, 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 no. I just felt my power go. I can see a dad going here. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I know who touched you. It was that old lady over there. She don't matter. She's 86. She's already looking. I got a daughter over here. Jesus goes, no, 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 no. Where are you? Oh, sweetheart. Wow. Come here, come here. I love you so much. May your faith heal you. <laughs> I love you. I love you, baby. What, what was that? You don't have to come now, man. This child's dead. Jesus goes, where is she? Where is she at? She's not dead. She's just sleeping. The Bible says they all laughed at Jesus. And Jesus said, Talithicum, rise. He's never early. He's never late. Why am I in a hurry? Why do I think I'm going to be late? What am I running to? God, I need someone to save me for me. Yeah, that's why I came, Keith. That's why I came. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. This is never the problem. This is. Folks, listen to this. The perfect justice of God demands that sin be punished. That's why when we die, we're either with God in heaven or separated from him in hell. That's what we need to turn. We need to recognize the gravity of sin. But here's the second greatest advice I give you. Trust in your Savior. Don't just turn. Now trust. Trust it. Whether you get it or not, trust it. Just because it doesn't make sense, trust it. Maybe because it doesn't make sense, just trust the one who wrote it. That he truly has us. Trust it completely, wholeheartedly, faithfully, which, by the way, is the only thing he accepts. Can I, can I say the Christmas story? Get off the hillside with the sheep and run to Bethlehem where he is. Quit saying, God, you come here. I got things to do. Drop it and run. But I might lose that. Who cares? Trust me. You'll get greater on the other end. Lose it. Lose it. Change those shepherds that day. 
Unbelievable why they believed what the angel said. He's a savior. I want that. I'm tired of being no one. I'm tired of doing this. There's got to be more. Folks, when we put our trust in Jesus, we are legally pronounced by Jesus himself to be God's righteousness. And because of that pronouncement, the moment we die, we go from this life to eternal life with Jesus. And nothing can change that. Folks, that's good news. Amen. I'm going to ask an honest as I was preaching, you probably noticed at the beginning I lit a candle. Who in this room, the whole time I was preaching, never took their eyes off the candle? Isn't that interesting? It's interesting, isn't it? And yet, did you see anybody come out and relight it? Was there a moment in the message that I came over because it, it was extinguished? No. It's been burning the whole time. Whole time. Imagine this being your life. And I went to the state of Nebraska out in the sand hills and I just laid it on the ground and stepped away and said, That's your life and eternity is the entire landscape of the world. You'd be like, man, I'm, that's nothing. Welcome to humanity. That's what Solomon said. Our lives are but a vapor. But it's crazy, isn't it? There's something about us. We paid no mind to a flame that's still been burning since the moment I lit it. But I don't need it right now. See, I don't need it right now because there's light in the room. But if the lights went out truly and there was no signs lit and you couldn't find the door, it'd be nice to have that candle, that light, then wouldn't it? If you're out in the mountains and it was snowing and cold or your pilot light went out, boy, that would be a wonderful gift, wouldn't it? We don't need it right now. We're in the warmth of a room. We got plenty of light. So we just pay it no mind. But it continued to burn regardless. Whole time I preached. Because this is what matters to us. Maybe we dare, we don't want to admit it. When you talk about it like this, pastor, this highway to hell thing doesn't sound real good. But we sort of like the highway to hell. That's why we spend so much time giving to this. Just this life. A little vapor, a little mist. It's here one day and it's gone tomorrow. I don't know where it went. That's not magic. Nothing about it. That's your life. That's my life. It's gone. But everything inside of us saying, where to go? That's what matters. But, but the flame's still lit. All the time we invest, someone hurts us and we hold on to that vapor. It's now a vapor. See, it's gone. That's your life. That's my life. Gone. 
And we try to hold on to it. We're just trying every way we can. But Jesus said what? Don't invest in the things of the world. Invest in things that matter. This isn't your home, but boy, we, are, we hold on to it. What is it about us? It's gone. But you can't extinguish that flame. Christmas was, I'm on a highway to hell. He gave me an off-ramp. The moment I breathe my last, and Jesus isn't my Savior and Lord, I will never see that off-ramp again. There's no second chances. That's worth the investment, people. Everything about us. Life was filled with guns and wars and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children died, the days grew cold. A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. A man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill. One disappears and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. See, I think... 2022, God's wanting to do something like we've never seen before. For the next eight weeks, we're doing a series called Marked. I told you when the pandemic hit that I couldn't sit and spend all the time thinking about you. God really took my heart and said, Keith, there's some things I think you need to change. And my job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry for the next eight weeks. Regardless how you're wired, regardless of your personality, regardless of any of that, you and I are to be light into the world. We're to be a voice of God. Some of us are wired like Reed. Some are wired like Chris. But every person has been marked by God to make a difference while we're on this side of heaven. And I believe that we could see tens, 15, 20,000 people coming to Christ because see if you know Jesus then you have to care about the things that Jesus cares about if you don't care about lost people you don't know him you've learned some language you got church down but you don't know him because when you know him you get the Holy Spirit in you 
And the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you and show you and take you every place that God wants you to go. You're marked by God for an unbelievable purpose. We're going to show you how in the next eight weeks. Father, I'm confident that a message like this can be a little unpopular, I'm sure, for some. That saddens me. It saddens me how we've removed something that is so central to the scriptures. Ever since the garden, ever since the moment of what sin has done, the separation, the chasm that occurs, scriptures are clear about the revelation of your heart to ours. And you gave us the greatest gift, Christmas. We're on a highway to hell. But because you so loved us, you gave us an offering. You gave us Jesus. Game changer. There's a newness in you. The old is gone, Paul said. This new that come. That's why you said, this is the day the Lord has made. Regardless of everybody else, it's the day you made. And whatever we face, we can rejoice and be glad because we're never alone. You're within us. We have every reason to walk in the goodness, the newness, the freshness, the greatness of Christmas. Christmas didn't end. It's just getting started. God, may we in this room right now recognize what we need. I pray right now people are saying, God, forgive me for thinking I know best, for me leaning on my own way, trusting in my own self. God, forgive me for holding on to a grudge, to bitterness, to unforgiveness. God, right now, I surrender that to you. I give that to you. I want to die to me. You would resurrect me in the newness of what you all purposed me to be. God, I pray this week that it might be moment to moment for some, but we would truly pick up that cross, dying to self, keeping it ever out in the forefront of our minds and in the depths of our heart. Jesus, Christmas, the most amazing gift. And that, God, we would come hungry, come expectant, and that your word would always do what it would always do. It never returns void. And our lives would be transformed, changed, that we become ambassadors of you, truly living out what it means to be marked by God. God, thank you. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button Take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you 
and we believe in you. God bless.